Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Are you ready for the word today? Ephesians 3.20. Let's jump in right now. Here's our theme scripture for our Beyond series. Now unto him... You know who the him is, right? It's God, who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we can dare ask or think, infinitely beyond, someone say beyond, our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams according to his power that is at work within us. Uh, Whatever you're asking God for times it by 100, because that's what God wants to do beyond what you can ask, pray, or think. Um, Whatever you're praying and believing for, it's bigger and better than what you're thinking. Are you hearing me today? God says, God is saying, believe that I can do more. I can go beyond. Beyond all your prayers, your desires, your wants, and I'm, I'm sure you have some big dreams and big visions. How, how many in here uh, today would say, you know what, I, I believe that God has called me to make a difference in this world? How, 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 many, how, how many would say that? Amen. How, how many in here have a dream that God has placed in your heart? Come on, you got a dream. You got a God-sized dream in your heart. Um, how many in here have not seen that dream come to pass yet fully? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. Yeah. Um, many times within the season of waiting, it's hard to hold on to faith, isn't it? It's hard to hold on to the dream God placed in your heart, the vision that he placed. Um, just because you have a word from God, a dream from God, doesn't mean it will be manifested the next day. How many know our God doesn't work in the fast food industry? You don't pull up to the window, God, I need this, I need that, pull up to the next window and it's ready, right? And if you're living off fast food, you have a poor diet, right? Because it's, it's very low quality foods, right? And God doesn't work in low quality. God doesn't work in low quality. And so the vision, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, is yet for an appointed time. Someone say appointed time. A point in time. In the Bible, there's this principle called seed, time, and harvest. Seed, you get the word from God. You get the vision to start that business. You got the vision to get out of debt. You got the vision to finish your college degree or pursue your degree. You get this vision that that God has called you to leave the job you're in, to go into another field. You have the seed, and then there's time before you get to the harvest of that dream. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the waiting season. Um, How how many love the waiting season? Said nobody ever. Uh, Let's start here. How many of you enjoy going to the local grocery store and getting behind the person who's got 139,000 items that is in the 15 items or less lane? 
How many want to punch that person like me? Pray for your pastor. I get in the flesh in the grocery store. I'm hangry, and I just got my favorite foods, like Fruity Pebbles up in there. Come on, Swiss Rolls up in there. Come on, somebody. Testify of the Lord's goodness and grace. I felt the anointing on that. I love me some Fruity Pebbles, man. Don't judge me. You don't know my journey. Um, um, and you get behind that person that, that, that causes your whole schedule to get thrown off. What about, what about this? How many love it? How many just absolutely love it like me? When you schedule a doctor's appointment at 10, um, for all the nurses and those in the medical field, sorry, but you lie. You lie to us. You lie to us on the phone. You flat out lie. Be here at 10. The doctor will see you. No, he won't. He ain't getting to me like 11, 11, 15. I'm going to be waiting, reading magazines with germs and all kinds of flu on it. Don't touch those magazines in the doctor's office. That's why y'all are sick all the time. I don't touch those things. I don't touch those things. No. And you wait there trying to be patient, but your patience gives out, right? When, when you see like 10 other people ahead of you, <laughs> you're like, Lord, have mercy. Why didn't they tell me to come later? Uh, uh, have you ever waited in anticipation for a vacation? Right? I remember the first time we went to Disney. Oh, man. It seemed like an eternity. I was a little kid, and it just seemed like forever and ever, and I'm waiting. I'm asking mom and dad, when do we go to Disney? When are we going to Disney? Every morning, when do we go on? 345 more days, Jacob. <laughs> and it seemed like forever because you're waiting, you're waiting. How many really enjoy this part? How many enjoy waiting in traffic? Right? Like, I'm not talking about Kokomo traffic. <laughs> For those of you like, man, it's gridlock in Kokomo. No, it ain't. <laughs> you ain't lived in the East Coast yet. <laughs> you ain't lived in Jersey or New York. Uh, you go to Indy, you find some traffic, a little bit of traffic there. But I, I just like waiting in traffic. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm very sorry if I've ever done this to anybody. I probably should take my fuel sticker off my car. But... <laughs> I just got to admit, if, if you are going 25 and a 45, I will beep at you and probably say, God bless you in a very stern way when I drive by you. Because you're not supposed to go that slow in that speed zone. You got to speed up, people. I mean, my Lord have mercy. Let, let's just, let's go the speed limit. Actually, let's go a little higher than the speed limit. I talked to the officers. They said, as long as you're not 11 miles per hour over, you're good. <laughs> Now, don't send me your ticket when you get one. I ain't paying it. I ain't paying it. I ain't paying it. I ain't paying it. And uh, we wait for a dream to come to pass, a vision. And sometimes in the waiting, we lose hope. Sometimes in the waiting, we feel like, man, is this ever going to happen? And I don't know if you're there right now, but I've been there many times in my life where I'm like, God, you said this, but I don't see that. You said this, your word is true, I believe it, but I'm in this waiting season and there's this tension between, man, should I doubt and give up or should I keep believing that God is a beyond God, that he wants to do something greater in my life? And so today I want to talk to you about this, that a waiting season is never a wasted season. Oh, come on, say that with me. A waiting season is never a wasted season. One more time, church, I'm here to help somebody. A waiting season it's never a wasted season. I want us to look at the life of Paul and glean some principles that shaped his life during a waiting season. Because I firmly believe if we boil down one of the biggest challenges that we all face as Christ followers, it would be waiting. 
it would be waiting. Because most of the time, we pray, we believe for something, and it doesn't happen in our timing. And we get frustrated. Because our timing and God's timing is completely different. We wait for our breakthroughs. We wait for a healing to manifest within our lives, within our child's life. We wait for a financial situation to finally work out for us. Like we've been, we've been trying, we've been saving, we've been trying to be smart with our money. We, we, we wait for our marriage to be healed, restored, renewed. We wait for that new job, we wait for that business to take off, to that, for that dream to come to fruition in our life. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and if we're not careful during this season, what should have been a meantime turns into a lifetime of discouragement, of doubt, and unbelief. What should have been a meantime, meantime, turns into a lifetime. And so we're going to look at the life of Paul and we're going to glean some principles that helped him during his waiting. Paul here in our text that we're going to go to in a second, I want to give you some context to the text. Um, uh, But Paul is in his third missionary journey. Um, The apostle Paul was planting churches Uh, hence the epistles that are in your Bible, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all those epistles. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, And so Paul is on this third missionary journey where he is planting these churches, the church of Ephesus, the church of Philippi, the church of Colossae. And he's, he's planting these churches all over, traveling around. Now, let me give you some background on Paul. I think most of you know, but Paul was uh, the biggest persecutor of Christianity, Uh, before he had an encounter with God. And so here's Paul, and he's leading the charge to stop the message of grace and hope from spreading across all of Europe. And Paul goes to the extent of actually killing Christians before his conversion. He actually held the coat while the apostle Stephen was stoned. He was stoned with rocks, and, and, and Paul held his coat during that moment. But then uh, his life took a radical turn in a, in a different radical direction. He went from persecuting Christians to being the forerunner for the message of grace. And uh, we know because the scriptures tell us that uh, Paul was not uh, uh, around when Jesus had his disciple. He was not one of the 12 disciples, but Paul had an encounter with Jesus personally. The Bible talks about, we don't know if Jesus came to him or he got translated to Jesus. Jesus, but he spent a significant amount of time uh, with Jesus, and he unpacked to him the message of grace. Someone say the message of grace. I encourage you on your own time to read the book of Galatians because it's a powerful book on what grace is. And uh, people have a wrong view of what grace is, and I'm not going to get into that today, but I, I encourage you to check that out. Paul had that message delivered to him from Jesus himself. I'm talking fast because I got a lot to say today. Um, Paul is planting the church of Ephesus and uh, he is having many problems because of the culture in those days was very um, idol worship culture was running rampant uh, witchcraft there's actually these people in the Bible called the seven sons of Sceva and uh, there's labeled Demetrius the silversmith who were making actual shrines golden shrines of the goddess Diana 
in which most people in that region of Asia worship those false gods. So he's battling, he's battling this spirit of witchcraft, which the predominant population worshiped. And so here Paul is just, just grinding, planning this church, training up the leaders, and establishing the church of Ephesus. And his time is coming to an end. His time is coming to an end as he's planning this church. And um, he, he says this in our text, Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 24. He gathers the leaders of the church of Ephesus together, and he says this, verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. (laughs) My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Someone say God's grace. Understand that Paul's life was in danger everywhere he went. Oh, he had his past of taking out Christians and persecuting them. And now he's the forerunner for Christianity. So he had the people whose family members were taken out after him. And then he has a whole set of new enemies that are out to stop the message of grace from getting out. And, and so they wanted him dead. They hated Paul. He remained in danger everywhere he went. And from this text, I believe there's four principles that we can pull from today that will help us during the waiting season. Because I need you to know today, a waiting season is never a wasted season. I need you to know today that a waiting season is never a wasted season. I don't know where you find yourself, sir or ma'am, but a waiting season is never a wasted season with God. Amen. Are you awake today? The amens are slim, but I'll take one or a half of a oh me, amen? Four things we need to know in the waiting. Number one, Paul says, I am compelled by the Spirit. Spirit's prompting. I am compelled by the Spirit. Spirit's prompting. Someone say, Spirit's prompting. Spirit's prompting. Paul knew that God was requiring obedience for him to, what did he say? Go to Jerusalem. I have to leave you, church of Ephesus. I have to leave you. And now I am compelled by the Spirit. Have you ever been compelled by the Spirit to do something? Like you couldn't shake it. Like you couldn't sleep at night until you told that person what you felt God was telling you to tell them. Or until you blessed that person that God said, hey, I want you to take care of that bill for them. Have you ever been compelled by the Spirit? Have you ever had the Spirit's prompting? I'm sure you have. Some of you may not have noticed it, but I'm sure each and every one of us have had the Spirit's prompting. Something on the inside of you that grows to the point where you have to let it out. So I ask you the question, what has God prompted you to do that you've been running from? What has God prompted you to do that you've been running from? Because delayed obedience is still disobedience. I I don't want to miss my moment with God. I don't know about you. I I don't want to miss my moment. And it's always my faith and obedience in that moment that determines if it's the beginning of a lifelong transformation or not for me. 
Many get inspired in the moment, but what determines if it was just a passing emotion is your obedience and faith to step out and to act upon that moment. Spirit's prompting. Spirit's prompting. Spirit's prompting. David had a spirit's prompting moment when he looked at Goliath and seen him tantalize the children of Israel. All the other soldiers seen the same thing, heard the same thing. But David was prompted by the spirit to step out in obedience To step out in obedience. Sometimes you don't even have the faith to step out. You just need to be obedient and faith will show up when you take the first step. Can I preach a little bit? You got to take the first step. You got to take the, if you weren't here first Thursday, please get that message and listen to it. I believe it'll help you. All these messages are building on top of each other all month long, but you got to take the first step. Outcome is God's responsibility, but obedience is yours. I'm required to be obedient. I'm not required to know the outcome or to work out the outcome. I'm required to take the first step of faith. I'm required to take the first step because, listen, spiritual maturity isn't how much you know, but how much you obey. We thought spiritual maturity was the guy who had the Bible memorized and had his Bible all highlighted and wore the WWJD bracelet and the Jesus shirt. That's all fine and dandy. But that's not spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is found in obedience. What is the last thing God told you to do? What is the last thing he told you to do? The definition of faithfulness is doing the last thing God told you to do. What's the last thing God told you to do? Go back and do that. Go back and do that. Step out in obedience. and But but it just seems so small. It just seems so... No, nothing is small in the kingdom. Everything is in seed form. And if it looks small and insignificant, little is much when you put it in God's hands. Boy, I'm preaching today on the first point. I got three more points. I probably won't get through them, but that's okay. may look small to you, but it's big to God. Dreams, visions are the mechanism whereby God grows us spiritually. A God-sized dream is what keeps you on your knees. If you can figure it all out, it's not big enough. If you can dot every I, cross every T, if you can let sense and reason work in your mind that this can work out, it's not a God-sized dream. It's a you-sized dream. And God said, I want to go beyond what you pray, think, want, desire, what you dream. I want to go beyond that. You see that, but I want to go far beyond that because I got something bigger and greater for you. Hmm? If you want something you never had, you got to do something you've never done. I said, if you want something you've never had, you got to do I'm here to push somebody out of complacency today. You've been sitting long enough. Come on, you've been sitting on that dream long enough. You've been sitting on that gifting, that talent, that anointing long enough. It's time for you to do something different. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Go ahead, preach, pastor. In the waiting season, listen to the Spirit's promptings. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. I had one on my couch yesterday while I was watching the Duke-North Carolina game. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Right on my couch, Spirit's prompting. And the first thought was, this is a crazy thought. I ain't doing that. And the second thought was, obey right now and seal the deal right now before you talk yourself out of it. 
And I had to make a text message and seal that deal right there and do something that God was telling me to do. Couldn't shake it. What is it for you? Spirit's prompting. Spirit's, he'll prompt you at work. He'll prompt you on the way to work. He'll tell you to bless somebody and buy their lunch. He'll tell you to buy coffee for somebody. What is, what is, he'll tell you to pray for somebody. You're like, I ain't praying for them. They don't even know God. They, don't, they hate me that I'm a Christian. And you walk up to them and you say, I just got to be obedient. And you start to pray for them and they break down crying, saying that they're going through a divorce you didn't even know about. Spirit's prompting. Spirit's prompting. It's the small things. You want a Fortune 500 company, but you can't be obedient to go hug your neighbor. Oh, you want, a bit, you want to be out of debt, but you can't be obedient to hug somebody across the church. You don't like people in the church, but you want God to bless your life. Oh, I better get back to this. There's a call coming in. Decline. Number two. Number two. Certain uncertainty. Paul said, listen, I, I, I'm being prompted by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, everywhere I go, I'm persecuted. Everywhere I go, they got a number on my head. Everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit's warning me that there's prison hardships that I'm facing. The second thing we need to know during the waiting season, because the waiting season is never a wasted season, is that there will be certain uncertainty. There will be certain uncertainty. God spoke to me, but now I'm not sure how it's going to work out. Right? Certain uncertainty. Our faith rests not in how it will happen, but in our God who said it will happen. Our faith does not rest in how it will happen, but it rests in the God who said it would happen. And if it rests in how it will happen, it's on you and not on God. And you got to reverse that thing. Because if you can work it all out, if you can make it happen, if you go through life every day trying to work relationships, trying to work all this stuff, you're going to get frustrated, wore out, because you become your own God, and you don't need God. Some of you like this, some of you don't. There's 150 churches in this city, find one you like. God bless you and your family. Part of the foundation of our faith is the ability to not understand where we're going, but to go anyway. God, show me the details. No, you can't handle the details. You can't handle Paul couldn't handle imprisonment, snake bitten, stoned, not recreationally speaking. Stoned with rocks, not with weed. Anyway, some of you are like, yo, Paul was getting stoned up in the Bible. Let's smoke a doobie. (laughs) Radical, dude. No, no, no. God knows you can't handle it. Paul couldn't have handled it if he knew all the hardship that he would face. God gives you enough to do the immediate assignment in front of you. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word lights up each step. His word lights up. I just need to take a step of obedience, a step of faith, and his word will light up the path for me to walk through. I just need to step out. I love this. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Are you trusting in Yourself or are you trusting in the Lord? Because that lean gets tiring after a while. Lean not. Some of you got your lean on. Hit your neighbor and say, you got, you're leaning too much. You got your lean on because you're leaning on your own power, your own strength. You're leaning on, on you working out the restoration of that family situation. And you need to stop leaning on your own power and lean on God. You need to lean on, you need to give it to God. Hmm? 
Here's the thing. Certain uncertainty is going to come. I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid that I'll fail if I step out. Who cares if you do fail? I would rather fail trying to do something audacious for God than in fear be paralyzed and do nothing. I would rather fail a thousand times than in fear sit there on the dream, the vision, the gifting that God called me to do. I would rather fail. God's not obligated to give you all the details. And here's the thing, my faith, you have to get this in your spirit, that my faith will not be dictated by my circumstances, but my circumstances will be dictated by my faith. And when you get that in your spirit, when you realize that certain uncertainty is going to come and circumstances are going to come to try to tell you that'll never happen. The devil will whisper in your ear, you'll never get out of debt. You'll always be in poverty. You'll never get remarried. The devil will tell you your kids will never come back home to the Lord. The devil will tell you your teenagers are gone. They're not going to serve God. And, and all, this, all this chatter will come. But you got to know that your God is faithful. Someone say he's faithful. Number three. Predictable resistance. Certain uncertainty, but then predictable resistance. You think the devil's just going to sit by and allow you to fulfill the plan and purpose of God in your life? You, you think he's just going to sit there knowing that you finally, for the first time in your life, made God's house a priority, and you're faithfully coming every week, and you're faithfully growing as a Christ follower every day, you're reading your Bible, you have prayer time. You think he's just going to sit there? People say all the time, man, I came to Christ and the devil just started hitting me harder. Yep. He had you on his team when you were on the bar stool getting tipsy. Come on now. He had you on his team when you were at the club dropping it like, anyway. When you're at the honky tonk, another tear in my beer. He had you. But now that you're on God's team, he's going to hit you harder. There will be predictable resistance. There will be devils that will try to stop the plan, the dream, and the vision that God has placed in you. You need to know what's going to happen. Paul said, the Holy Spirit warns me. There will be hardships that face me. Be hardships. And I'm here to submit to you, church, today that if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. You're not ready. When you take a step of faith, you better be ready for the resistance. You better be ready. Man, I don't like it. I don't like it. Who does like it? Did you have some resistance this week? Oh, you didn't? I did. I did. I had some devils come at me. Yeah, I had some people in the form of devils come at me. You guys don't have that? Everybody at your work is saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I, ha I had some predictable resistance. They had to say, no, not today, devil. You ain't stopping me. No, 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 I don't care what they say. I care what God has told me. That's all I care. I don't care. I don't care. And some of you... You need to get a tenacity like a bulldog and say, I don't care what my family says, what anybody says. I'm going to fulfill the dream and the purpose that God placed in me, and nothing is going to stop me. 
When you go after God's dream, there will be critics, naysayers. You will be misunderstood and you will be attacked. Understand, pleasing God often means disappointing people. And stop letting someone else's opinion of you become your reality. Who cares what they think? But we do. But we do. And we let it drive us to a place of loneliness, doubt, and fear because of what they said on social media, because of what they text us, because of what they're telling someone else. And we got to rise above it, all of us, me including. I got to rise above it. I got to rise above it. I don't always get it right. Who likes to be criticized? Anybody in here? Nope. Huh? The amount of criticism that we face in the last six, eight weeks has been unreal. I don't share it with you. You don't need to hear it. You just need to pray for me, our staff, and the stuff that we're dealing with. I've never seen anything like it in my 22 years of ministry. <laughs> and the other day, I'm sitting on the couch, and God's saying, you're going to a new level. New levels always mean new devils. Oh, it's not people in the world. It's people in the church. Not specifically this church. It may be. I don't know. It may be your neighbor. Just take your neighbor. Say it may be you. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's church people. Church people. Religious people. They get all stirred up over what God is doing in this place. Really? You want me, you want me to go and tell you what, it, what, it, what they are? Jealous. Jealousy. People get jealous, and they always take the scripture and try to twist it. Huh? I got to get to the last point. Selfless passion. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He wasn't looking to make his name great. He was looking to make God's name great. Paul's desire was whatever God's desire was. You see, when your desire for him becomes more than just what he can do for you, but rather what, you can, what he can do through you, that's selfless passion. That's selfless passion. See, real maturity in Christ is when you don't come to church for yourself, but you come for others. We become so selfish in church I want my song, I want this, I want that, I want the temperature right, I want my parking spot, I want my seat. Last I checked, church ain't about you. It's about him. It's about him. Well, if I don't get my kid checked out a certain amount of time, I'm not coming back. Church ain't about you. It's about him. Real maturity is you don't come to church for yourself. You'll say, man, I'll serve wherever they need me. I'll switch services, pastor, if you need me to because we're growing and we're out of space. I'll do whatever. I'll come whenever you, you let me know. I'll help reach an unchurched person. I'll contribute my part financially, whatever I need to do. Hmm? Because success is not found in your passion, but in your preparation. Your preparation. David had success because he was prepping in the, in the field with the, with the sheep. Everybody looks at David. He defeats a huge giant, almost 10-foot giant, and think, man, that was his success. No, you got to rewind. You got to go back to the sheep. You got to go back to the pasture when no one was looking, when no one seen the faithfulness that you had, when you were serving here and cleaning the church when nobody was here except for the church mice. 
when you were obedient to what God told you to do and you sowed that seed financially because God told you to do it. You, you got to rewind and look that success is not in the passion that is manifested that people see, but success is found in the preparation, the behind the scenes moment, the dark room moments that nobody sees but you and God. Can you be faithful in those moments? When no one's calling your name. Can you be faithful when the coach doesn't put you in the game? Can you be faithful to say, I'm a part of the team. I'm a part of the team and that's all that matters. I'm here to give God glory. I'm here to have selfless passion. Like, like if your dreams all came to pass, would it just change your life and you're for and no more? Or would it change others? That's how you know if it's a God dream. Because some of you just want money for you, you selfish. I know I wouldn't get any shouts, but this sure is the, the good word of, of Jesus Christ. You selfish because your dream is all about you, making your name great, making your house great, paying off your debt. But when you connect it to it's just not about me being blessed, it's about others. How can I send more people down to the valley of grace, home of grace? How, how can I help free addicts? How can I help the shelters in this community that need help? How can I bless a single mom? How can I bless a widow? How can I be a part of building the kingdom? And God says, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Some selfless passion that I can get involved with. Some of you need to change your dream because your dream is about you and not about the kingdom. It's about you and not about the kingdom. Maybe you want to get out of debt, and that's great, and be financially set. I believe that's a great thing. But is it just for you and your family? Is it for others? Is it to promote the gospel? Or is it just to promote your home? Does your dream have a kingdom connection? Well, I've prayed about it, but nothing has happened. I've prayed, and I've prayed for 10, 20 years. I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed. And sometimes I've found that some Christians... We use prayer to replace laziness. No, you heard me right. We use prayer. But really, it's laziness because we don't want to act on it. We say, God, won't you do this? And we sit there. And we sit there. And God's saying, I've already done everything I'm ever going to do for you. Upon the cross, it was all finished. It is finished. That was the words. It is it's done. Now I need you to step. I've been praying. I've been praying. But have you moved from that prayer? Because in our scripture, our theme scripture, it's God and us coming together to do the beyond. It's God and us coming together to do the beyond. Hmm? I'm closing with this. The reason many people live unfulfilled, unhappy, and lonely lives in the church is due to being so self-focused that you never think of anyone else to help or encourage. Your world is you when it should be others. Help us, God. Help us, God, to stop being selfish. It's a challenge every day. We love ourselves, and we should love ourselves in a healthy God way. But man, you got a gift. You got a gift. God's gift to you is your life, but what you do with that gift is your gift back to him. What are you doing with that gift? What are you doing? Is it just a house and a boat on the lake and 
Is that it? Is it a certain stat? Like, that's it? And then we die and we're gone? No, there's, there's so much more. He gave you a gift of life. How you use that gift is your gift back to him. I want us to think today, how, how are we using that? Because God will always use people who make themselves available to him to be used. Spirit's prompting, certain uncertainty, predictable resistance, selfless passion. A waiting season is never a wasted season. A waiting season is never a wasted season. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for your word today. You've spoken to us by your Holy Spirit. We receive this word with gladness. We receive it, and now we put action because we know your word says faith without works is dead, so we have to do something. We know your word says that once we have heard the word, we're called to be doers of it. There should be action behind it. So right now, we make that commitment. How can we be faithful in the waiting season? How, how can we look at it a little different, change our perspective in the waiting season? We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.